Do you want me to play the intro music? Oh, yeah, yeah, play the intro music. Okay. <laughs> Warm me up here. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Double Cuzzies, where two people who share 25% of their DNA and their entire extended families talk about life. Double Cuzzies. It's like if Scar and Mufasa married the Siamese twin cats from Lady and the Tramp (laughs) and had kittens. (laughs) (laughs) I mixed up the example this week. Because it's related to our topic, obviously. Mm-hmm. Our, our listeners can also read, so they know the description of this. But yeah. <laughs> What's the mama cat's name in Lion King? Nala. Ooh, good question. No, Nala, Nala is, is the baby. Is, no, Nala is the girlfriend cat. <laughs> uh, what is it? Mm. Should we we'll ask Jeeves? Know. Let's ask, ask Jeeves. Jeeves. Contemplative okay. marimba. Mom cat. Mom cat. Sarabi. Sarabi. I knew it ended with an E noise. Mm. Yeah. So um, a fun fact about uh, a scar, uh, the name. I read these random things in my, my news feed and my social media feed and a, a lot of Disney stuff comes up. And so one of the fun facts about scar is that it's like, have you ever wondered what was scar's name before he had his scar? <laughs> And I should have written it down, <laughs> but it was like, oh, his name was something, something, which means uh, garbage in Swahili. What? And and so then after he got his scar, which I think was the result of Mufasa uh, mm-hmm. doing something, pranking him or whatever, he made everybody call him scar. This is this is canon also. This is part of Lion King canon because it is uh there was like a book or something related to this. So it's actually something that put out was put out by like Disney of like this is Scar's name before he was named Scar. And so the readers of this was like the readers of this was like, um, so you're telling me that Mufasa, which means king, I believe, they so Mufasa and Scar's parents named their their kittens King and Garbage. And then they don't expect him to become like super murderous against his brother. (laughs) It's kind of like, hmm, okay, I kind of understand it. (laughs) So yeah, Scar has some trauma. So weird that there's a fully official backstory to Mm -hmm. all of this with names and everything. Disney is like, we're going to have to answer these questions. (laughs) Somebody from Disney is just like on Reddit and they're just like (laughs) reading through these things and they're like, oh, I'll just respond to this. It's like, it's like Cora, but (laughs) for Disney (laughs) questions. Yeah. I didn't realize Matthew Broderick voices Simba in the original. Oh, yes. Adult Mm -hmm. Simba, I guess. Yeah. JTT was the younger Mm -hmm. Simba. What happened to JTT? Uh, I don't know. Where are they now? Where are they now? Yeah. Well, anyway, why are we talking about Scar and Mufasa? I don't know, Kalia. You introduced this episode because this episode was your crazy idea. So <laughs> <laughs> We'll see where this goes. So today we're going to try to talk about our scars in life. So this could be anything from funny and not funny physical scars 
emotional scars, the character scar, essentially talking about experience that have been um, impactful and more, more so affected us in our lives and how those have affected us and what we've taken away from those. So... I don't know where this is going to go. Yeah, the so idea. I will say that uh, I was looking at the outline that you cooked up um, last night and I was thinking through like, okay, what are what are some examples for some of these things that you're asking about? And then I couldn't fall asleep. So <laughs> I would say that my recommendation for anybody is don't try to actively think about physical and mental emotional scars before <laughs> trying to go to bed. <laughs> But I am, I will say that uh, I am very excited and very scared for this episode because we will see where this goes. And I have some fun commercials for us too. So <laughs> we'll keep it light, you know, yeah. just some light emotional trauma. Is fine. Yeah. So let's just start with the, the physical trauma, the physical yeah. scars. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I guess. What are we doing? What is this? What is <laughs> this? I don't know. I have no clue. Um, yeah. But I feel like each of us have scars, physical scars from childhood that kind of have funny or not so funny, I guess, funny to us or our family's stories behind them. Yeah. Pretty significant anyways, I think, for each of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's start with that. What about you, Kalia? What yeah. what are your what are your funny physical scars? I think my my earliest one and this one happened before I can even remember. So it's just I know this by stories. I was probably like 3 or 4 years old. I was going down a slide at a McDonald's play place. I think that's what they call them because we spent a lot of time at McDonald's. <laughs> I think I was going face forward, gashed my chin open. Um, had to get <laughs> stitches. I have a little scar. I, I can't see it though because it's like in the bottom of my chin. Um, but I think there were some, there was some like family panic that ensued and then your dad writing a letter to McDonald's and, um, yeah, it kind of involved. The beauty of having a lawyer in the family. <laughs> <laughs> It involved both sides of the family in terms of, oh, what are we going to do? How do we take care of this? And then I think your parents like swooped in to watch my brother while my mom like went to the hospital with me or something. But um, yeah, I don't remember that, but I think I'm impacted by the um, like panic of the story that has been mm. told around the event. Um so that's wow. So you don't remember the actual trauma of the event, but the family in recounting it to you has traumatized you. <laughs> <laughs> it just gives me like the sense of worry, like, oh, that's yeah, that sounds like a really stressful situation. And yeah, I have no physical or, or emotional memory recollection of the actual event because I was so small. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so that one I kind of know, like just through that retelling of the story. Um, so yeah, that's my childhood face scar. I know you have a childhood face scar as well. I do have a childhood <laughs> face scar. So the name of this first segment is childhood face scars. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have, uh, mine is probably more pronounced than yours is just because it is directly between my eyebrows, um, right in the middle of my face, but it has definitely faded with time. And uh, I have some slight recollections of this event actually happening. 
And I think that maybe but all a lot of our scar stories, physical scar stories anyways, are like we're are pretty well known to each other because we were actually present for a lot of the same mm-hmm. events as kids. And and so I got mine because um, I know exactly how old it is because it is the same age as our cousin. Because the reason why I got it, I'm blaming him right now for it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just setting context here. The reason why um, this happened was because my parents were at the hospital visiting his parents and him when he was born. And so I was over at your house. Mm-hmm. My brother and I were over at your house and your mom was watching all four of the kids or maybe five of the kids because it might have been um, the older sibling of the cousin who was born. And so when, <laughs> so we were all over there and I remember that it was like, okay, it's time to clean up. I was like, okay. And so then I wa- walked over and I was picking, I bent down to pick up a book and uh, underneath the coffee table. And I banged my head, my forehead on the corner of this coffee table. And it must've been glass or it was very sharp anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was as if uh, it, it hurt, I guess, but I don't recall it really hurting that bad. Um, and then I think I, and then I think your mom saw what happened and I probably had some reaction to it. And she goes over and looks at me and apparently it, it looks like somebody has stabbed me in the face, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> like it is Casual. so deep. It is too, it is down to the bone. Oh my God. Yeah. And, um, and so then it's like to the skull, Im- <laughs> to the skull. And, uh, and I, so I can just imagine the sheer panic and terror that your mom must have experienced dealing with this of like, Mm -hmm. I'm watching at least four kids Mm -hmm. by myself. And now not my kid has seriously injured themselves. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm not sure what all of the logistics happened after that. Uh, but I ended up at the ER. My parents took me to the ER and I had to get stitches. And so I had about like, I think like seven stitches right in the middle of my forehead. Um, And I remember at the time that when, when I got it, uh, they had told my parents that if I wanted to have a plastic surgeon look at it afterwards too, Mm -hmm. um, then that was an option as well because they was, I was getting stitched up like in the ER Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, we'll see. Um, And it's like, because it is a pretty predominant part of the face. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. just like, all right, well, we'll see how it goes. And so, um, for a while, I did have a pretty pronounced scar when I was younger, but it's definitely faded. And I think now because I wear glasses most of the time too, can't even really see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't recall it ever being anything that I was like self-conscious about as a kid. I think because yeah. when you're that young, it's like, yeah, people have scars and yeah. like, the I don't- Kids are getting injured all the time. Kids are getting banged up. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that wasn't the only scar that I had. So yeah. <laughs> like, How old were you when that happened? Uh, I, I want to say that I was probably like-, like I want to say I was like five or six. Five or six, yeah. yeah. That's a pretty early – yeah, I feel like humans don't start actually forming and retaining memories until about that age. So that's a – You know, it's, big one. it's really interesting because I was thinking about this last night as I was thinking about the concept of scars <laughs> that, um, you know, I am clo- – my kids or my older kid is close in age to the age where I kind of started to remember some of these things right of like mm. some some of the the accidents that I had that caused these physical scars that I have mm-hmm. so I was thinking I was like oh man so stuff that's happening now they might remember this later in life and there's one instance where um we 
took the kids to like a like a petting farm, mm-hmm. like a hobby farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, my son was standing next to this big cow. And uh, I was trying to take a picture of it. And all of a sudden, the cow swung its head around and knocked my head, my kid right in the face. And, I mean, mm-hmm. this is a huge adult cow. Mm-hmm. And it was like, so that must have been like getting punched in the face yeah. by, like, even more than an adult man. <laughs> yeah, by a cow. Uh, yeah, imagine if a cow, an adult cow punched you in the face <laughs> that's what that was and so then he cried for a little bit and then he was okay and uh and he had a bruise the next day and uh he seemed to have forgiven the cow by the time we left he didn't hold it against it or anything mm-hmm. like that but I kind of thought like oh yeah he probably doesn't remember that and so then when we were um when we saw another cow like later on like months later I was like oh look kiki cow and he goes, oh, yeah, cow, big cow, and then crash, kiki head. <laughs> so he oh still remembers that. So now anytime that we talk about cows, too, he talks about that. Oh, instance. my gosh. And not in, like, a like a scared way or, mm-hmm. like, that he was traumatized, but, like, that he was recounting a funny anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so I'm very interested to see. Um, and uh, I guess I'll have to be more careful about not traumatizing my children now because they'll remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I got to rein it in. I mean, it's so hard to, to know how they'll retain it or process it, but and how you talk about those events too. Like, Yeah, so maybe, yeah, I, mean, I think that's a big part of it. Like what you're talking about, your you know, your scar, your chin scar mm-hmm. at McDonald's, that if if it wasn't recounted to you, would you even really know that that happened? <laughs> I would not know because I can't even yeah. see it. It's so, I mean, it's like under my chin and it's so small because it happened when I was so young. So yeah, I don't know if I would even know that that had occurred. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So we'll see Um, when my son is on his podcast and or whatever the version of the technology of podcasts are (laughs) in 30 years from now. And he's recounting the time that uh, his parents took him to a farm and he got hit in the head by a cow. Yeah. He's like, why why do I have a phobia of cows? And he's unpacking it. And he's like, oh, when I was three years old and a cow crashed into Kiki's face. (laughs) It'll probably it'll probably be more like, oh, back when there were cows. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Bleak. <laughs> oh, cows. Yeah. I've heard okay. So, um, does that conclude our segment on funny facial scars? Funny or was facial it was scars. it tra- childhood facial scars? What was the name of the segment? Uh, childhood facial scars. Childhood or facial our scars. Facial scars. Our I don't know. facial <laughs> scars. Okay. All right. But we still have a lot of other physical scars to talk about. So. Yeah. And I think both of us have a surgery scars or surgery experiences. Oh, okay. So the next yeah. segment is surgery scars. <laughs> surgery scars. What is this episode? If you are listening to this, I this could be one of our most popular episodes yet. <laughs> oh, I, I have a feeling it's going to be because this is least. just going to be... Utter, utter chaos from our brains. Pretty chaotic. Orderly chaos. Orderly. But, uh. <laughs> so, yeah. Why? So many of these things, I'm just like, why is anybody listening? Why would anybody want you to You mean like listen? any of the episodes? <laughs> yeah. So far. Yeah. Welcome them. to season two. <laughs> <laughs> why? We promised you order, but we are also giving you chaos. <laughs> okay. Yes. So, uh, surgical scars surgical scars so i have 
an appendicitis scar. No, actually, let me rephrase this. A ruptured appendix scar, which was not properly diagnosed. Um, when I was in, I think, seventh grade, I was having some aches and pains in my belly. And I feel like me in general, and especially in our family, um, we're not ones who like seek medical attention right away, especially for the kids. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so it's like we were not ones feeling... to cry wolf. <laughs> what was that? We were not ones to cry wolf. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like I had, I had and do have a very high tolerance for pain. So I had this like belly pain and my mom was like, oh, it's probably just like a stomach bug. Just like sleep it off. You'll be fine. It's like, I don't rub know. Rub some dirt it feels, on it. It feels Just weird. rub some dirt on it. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Just like, just be happy and then it'll go away. <laughs> just be happy. <laughs> so like went to bed the next day I woke up and it still hurt a lot. And then it got worse throughout the day. Um, but I was like acting pretty normal. My mom will say like, you were laughing, like you're making jokes, like you're you seemed like your normal personality and then it got to a point where I just like could not stand upright <laughs> like it hurt that bad so we went to the hospital uh they couldn't figure out what it was but admitted me into a room took a bunch of scans still couldn't figure out what it was um and I think the doctor who was assigned to my case was just a very uh, I don't know he was kind of like it's kind of like a just like eager but like very serious dude. Um, didn't know how to deal with like young children. Really didn't deliver mm -hmm. news like in a a gentle way. Yeah, the bedside um, manner was lacking. Yes, extremely yeah. lacking. So I was in the hospital for a few days. I feel like two or three nights. Um, I was getting CT scans every day, um, and they're scanning my abdomen to see what was going on but they didn't see anything abnormal um and so after one of the scans the doctor was just like oh you're, you're we're just gonna go in for surgery they didn't even actually tell me they're just I was with my father and they just wheeled me from like the scanning area of the hospital straight to pre-op and I was just like where are we going this isn't wow. like the normal route back to the room and he's like oh yeah we're just gonna do exploratory surgery so I have a scar it's like Probably like four inch scar under my belly button, vertical, because they just cut me open. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so a typical appendicitis or a ruptured, I guess, yeah, appendicitis scar would be just like a horizontal on, I think the right An side. An appendectomy. 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 Thank you, yes. Dr. Emily. Yes, yes you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and horizontal scars heal a lot better because mm -hmm. the way the skin is or something so I have a very large scar under my belly button my zipper scar um yeah so that was a a pretty traumatic experience because I mean I was in middle school I clearly remember this and then just kind of like the hospital experience and not knowing what was going on and I know my parents were getting a lot more information or um, theoretical information that I wasn't, mm -hmm. like things that the doctor thought it might be. So they were, I imagine, really freaking out, but like putting on a straight face for me. Um, but in the end, I mean, it was like, thank God they cut me open and caught it. But it was like the most mellow of any of the options that they thought it was. So 
just like a super weird experience out of nowhere. Um, yeah. Because it wasn't like an event caused that. And then also just like a lesson in if you're feeling off, maybe take that a little bit seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to your body. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which yeah. I feel like is something that I'm, I'm trying to practice more as an adult. So uh, that is, yeah, the story of a major physical scar and the psychological scars that it has also caused. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I definitely remember that entire <laughs> mm-hmm. situation because I remember that, uh, yeah, I was in high school at that time because if mm-hmm. you were like 13-ish, I must have been like 16-ish. And that was like the first time that anybody super close to me, at least our age too, had gotten mm-hmm. very, very sick. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it was like really scary. But then I also remember the whole thing about like, yeah, your parents commenting on how the, the doctor was not very um, uh, <laughs> warm. And Who's that it just doctor? seemed like, I think the way that it, that it was described was like, he's the kind who just wants to cut and find mm-hmm. out what's going on. And as opposed to like, pursuing other like ha- all the other diagnostic you know options mm-hmm. um but and that I remember it was a very scary time because you know like you said your parents keeping the brave face of not sharing a whole lot of information with you because didn't want to freak you out or stress you out mm-hmm. but I heard all of that <laughs> about mm-hmm. like what it could be what maybe it is what they're going to do next and everything so that was Very traumatic for me as well. Mm -hmm. So let me center myself in your injury story, (laughs) in your illness story. It affects the whole family, though. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Especially a family like ours when uh, we're very chatty about medical information, too, within the family. Yeah. So that's the funny thing, too. It's like uh, maybe I'll get into this story later on. But, um, you know, my my daughter recently had a health scare. And so when Mm -hmm. we were in the hospital and they were explaining to us what was going on, my husband and I were both just like nodding along, asking questions, reconfirming what they were saying. And the uh, the doctor looked at us and goes, are you uh, in the medical fields? Or and it's like, no, we both just come from families that are very uh, comprehensive and competent when it comes to understanding medical histories mm-hmm. as well as like medical prognosis yeah and very like attention to detail of like mm-hmm. remembering everything and then recounting it back to somebody else so mm-hmm. yeah so I think it is it's kind of like it's we're good we're really lucky in a sense that I think everybody in our family deals with situations like this in mm-hmm. a very level-headed as much as you can anyways you know mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah in a very competent way and yeah where you can be an advocate in those situations because you which is funny because that's not taught but I guess I mean you in that situation probably just pick that up by example and seeing how you know our parents dealt with our grandparents medical Mm -hmm. situations and whatnot um yeah I mean uh uh I wouldn't say yeah a a very useful skill but a skill that you never want to have a use for (laughs) right right yeah but yeah. it's always like you uh, – the first time that you feel unprepared, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, you know, let's hope we never have to deal with this again. But chances are you're going to have to deal with something like it again. So then mm-hmm. it's like the next time you at least feel a little bit more prepared of how to cope yeah. with these things. So, And then in an yeah. like emergency situation like my append- appendic- non-appendectomy, my appendix – uh, adventure. Um, it's like 
you can't even choose the doctor. It's just like yeah. you get assigned to whoever is in the hospital. Yep. And I don't know, there's you, so many things that are outside of your control or outside of your choice that, yeah, it, it would be, it's a crazy situation and it would be very difficult to be, you know, thorough and level-headed in that situation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you would hope that somebody who is a surgeon in a pediatric ward would have a better bedside manner geared towards mm -hmm. children because they would yeah. be interested actually in taking care of children, but could potentially be that maybe they were just doing their residency in peds, you know, and like mm -hmm. they, and they have no interest in actually doing that. But it matters though, because studies have actually shown that when a doctor or a surgeon has a better bedside manner, their patients have better outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably because they are better at listening to their patients mm -hmm. and like what's going on. And patients are probably better or feel more comfortable in telling them what's going on too. More receptive to that. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think that that also was uh, a pretty scarring situation too, because, um, or scarring maybe in a good way. I don't know. Uh, informative. It was informative mm. because then later in life when I was having all of my abdominal issues and I was like, what is this? Um, Maybe it was it was informative. I didn't do anything with the information. I guess I should say. <laughs> Made you but think I was about like, it though. But I remember like recounting my symptoms and stuff to the family at some point, and your mom was like, "Oh, well, you know, and Kalia when she had her um, appendicitis, and it was not presenting typically, and so that's why they had to end up doing that exploratory surgery and everything like that because mm. it was like, oh, well, I'm kind of like I had this pain, but then, you know, it's okay if I like lay down like that, and so then it doesn't seem like it's you know, an appendicitis. And she's like, oh, well, it was atypical though with Kalia. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I just didn't do anything. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, we'll just yeah. let yeah. it explode. Yeah, well, I guess uh, I'll just sepsis. I don't know. <laughs> so no, so then it ended up not being that anyways. But I mean, it's things like that where it's, that was, I feel like over 10 years later from when mm -hmm. your situation happened um, mm -hmm. and still the memory of it of like, Oh, remember this? And I, and you recounting it now, I still remember all the details of that situation and going mm -hmm. and visiting you and your friends going visiting you in the hospital. I think you were there for longer than a couple days. I think it was a couple days before, before you had your surgery. surgery. And yeah, then I feel you like were it was in, you were maybe like three days before the surgery. Yeah. And then I was in stayed in the hospital like three or four days after mm -hmm. like a week -ish yeah. total. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, I think in those situations, you know, when we were kids and if any of the kids had, um, you know, medical issues or problems, like we were all very involved in that because mm -hmm. it was like my parents watching you or brother or vice versa. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I do think about that in the times that I've had uh, to, we've had to <laughs> deal with medical issues with my kids. It's like, we don't have a lot of support out here. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, what do we do with the other kid? Yeah. So it's tough, but uh yeah, yeah. 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 I remember when I was in the hospital too, my best friends came and visited me and I was just like resting because I was, it was after the surgery and had gone through a lot. My dad was there with them and like after the fact when I was in, back in school and trying to get back to normal, I remember them telling me, they're like, yeah, when we came and visited, like your dad was just telling us about like everything, like all of the medical details and then like... <laughs> When you had pooped in all of, all of your gum. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, not surprised. Sorry. Not surprised. That sounds, that sounds correct. Um, it's the information that people need to know. 
Yeah. It's not the information that people want to know, so, but it's yeah. the information that people need to know. <laughs> Somebody should should be keeping track of, I guess. So thank you, yeah. Dad. <laughs> that's not what my friends wanted to know. <laughs> uh, that's not what I wanted my friends to know. <laughs> but, they, but thank you. Well, Glad to know, know my intestines are realigning themselves correctly. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, do you have any other major oh surgical things? scars yeah surgical so scars. we're still on the section of surgical scars yes yes surgical scars. yeah so i was uh i was slightly older um so i was 18 i believe and uh it was the summer going into my sophomore year of college and so i like ever since i was a little kid i had uh bunions because it was genetic and so i inherited some bad feet <laughs> so even though i made it a point to never wear heels of any sort or any sort of constraining shoes that just it's one of those things where it doesn't get better with time mm-hmm. and and so it was advised that it was like oh yeah you know you should think about getting the surgery um if your feet start to cause you pain or trouble or anything like that but I couldn't really do it in high school because I was so active in sports mm-hmm. and, and so very I wait intense surgery <laughs> yeah foot foot surgery mm-hmm. um and and I all had, had it on both feet also. And so I waited until I was out of high school and, uh, yeah. And I waited actually through my, my freshman year of college too. And then I got it done. And, um, because it is on both feet, any, any surgery to your foot is going to be pretty, um, drastic because, because you put some, all of your weight on your feet all the time, right. When you're standing, but because I got it on both feet, my recovery, I was basically bedridden for at least a week before I could even like start to try using crutches or anything like that. Um, but then also that process of like, so I have some pretty, def- I, I would say pronounced scars on my feet still, um, but can't really. And that was something, I think my feet and then also the scars were something that I was maybe more self-conscious about. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I just really don't give a shit about anything. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm like, um, but yeah, I think, because it was very pronounced and also because mm-hmm. I could feel it when I was wearing shoes and everything too. Um, but does that come from yeah. grandma's side of the family? I think I got it from both sides of the family actually. Oh. And so that's Lucky. why, because we have, Lucky we you. have great aunts. We have great aunts on both sides of the family that had very severe uh, bunions. Mm-hmm. So it just runs in the family. Um, so I'm like, I, maybe it's, it's uh, scarring in the sense that I like am, pretty vigilant about looking at my kids feet to see if it's like mm. does this look like they have bunions or not mm-hmm. um but yeah so mm-hmm. I had the surgery done and I think that that was an inter- a really interesting process to go through because um since I had it done on both of my feet I was in a wheelchair for a while and just having that short experience as of being somebody in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and going out in public and seeing how inaccessible things are it's it's like a different perspective of like oh yeah you go up to a door and you push the handicap button and the door opens into you like how does that make any sense or you have to get past a certain point to even push a button and that button is inaccessible or there's no button right and so then you're completely reliant on somebody walking by and helping you if you're alone because I remember I went to the movies one at one point mm-hmm. when I was recovering and I was in a wheelchair and uh, my now husband, when we went to the movies, it was a pretty empty theater. And uh, because I couldn't walk, I was in a wheelchair, but we didn't want to sit in the front row. So he picked me up and carried me up the stairs. 
And there was That's this what was he knew. The he was the one. But there was like, yeah, there was like two older women in the theater. And when he did that, they were just like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But at some point I had to go to the bathroom. And so then he <laughs> took me back down the stairs and I you know, put me in the wheelchair. And then I went, I wheeled myself over to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. But the door was inaccessible. Uh-oh, so yeah. then it's just like somebody walking by. It's like, hey, can you open the door for me? And then how do you just go like, to the fuck? bathroom? How did you go to yeah. the bathroom? Yeah. I mean, once you're in there, it's kind of like, it's not like I was completely <laughs> disabled. Yeah. 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 We'll cut so all so the person opened the door for you. And then you're like, and then I need you to like lift me <laughs> onto the toilet. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, this is going to be a rough one. Can you hang on for a little bit? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it, it is, though. I mean, it's like it's incredible mm. to think about that. <laughs> and especially within the U.S. where we have a lot of building codes and we have a lot of requirements mm. for accessibility. And, mm. you know, traveling around the world and seeing yeah. other places where it's like that just doesn't exist. And mm-hmm. it's like absolutely impossible. Like how, how do people with, with disabilities yeah. do anything? Yeah. You know, and it's it's just it's like. So I think that was interesting because it gave me a really different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then I recovered from that. And that was the end of that story, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that is, but you still, like, yeah. you say you look at your kids' feet to, to see where yeah. they're at. Yeah. I look at my kids' feet and then I just wear really comfy shoes. I mean, I think it definitely mm-hmm. has informed my style too because I really don't wear anything that causes any sort of discomfort. Mm-hmm. for any part of my body and I think maybe that stems from like when I was a kid it was like no I don't I have no interest in wearing high heels like I have no interest in doing any like you know wearing any of these things that are uncomfortable so yeah dang yeah I remember when you had that surgery I didn't realize you were that old though because you had the surgery at a children's hospital yeah, what because my um, orthopedic surgeon had been my orthopedic surgeon since I was a little kid. Okay. And so it was he was actually uh, good college friends with my dad. Okay. And and so he was a pediatric orthopedic surgeon. And so since I had been seeing him seeing him since I was a child, he mm-hmm. continued to be my surgeon. And so then when I got admitted though, like I was <laughs> I was eighteen and I has just finished my freshman year of college. But you know, when you get admitted for surgery, it's like super early in the morning. Mm-hmm. And uh I mean I don't wear makeup now, but like at that time, like I was wearing makeup, but I didn't put any makeup on, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh and I go in there with my mom and they're and we're like checking in and stuff and they're like talking to my mom and then they're asking her questions and then she's kind of looking at me like you could just ask her. <laughs> and then and then and then, like, they look at me, and then they look at, like, the birth date that's listed, and they're like, oh, you're 18. <laughs> I thought you were much younger. <laughs> you were, like, like yeah, I probably, Yeah, I probably looked much younger, and yeah. then I probably, yeah, also, and I'm at a nine. pediatric hospital, so yeah. I totally understand that. Um, but, you know, they were explaining to me, and then, you know, there's going to be a needle, and we're going to put it in your hand, but then we'll take the needle out, and so it's not going to be. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> So it was like the opposite experience that you had when you were an actual child and the there was like no bedside manner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if, if people are going to err in one way, just err like you're talking to a child, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then just see how the person reacts and then kind of go from there. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, so that was, that was fun. That was a really fun experience. That's how I yeah. spent my summer vacation. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was between yeah. freshman and sophomore. That's funny. I didn't realize that you were with Matt at the time. I'd never heard the movie theater story. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> what a guy. Such a good what guy. What a guy. Mm-hmm. What a guy. Yeah. Fireman carried me up the stairs. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's uh, that's the, the fun surgical scars segment. Yeah, yeah. Any other random physical scars that you want to talk about? Um, I know that you, you scar easily also. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I do scar easily. I do get scars where I just don't know, like, where that came from. I have a lot of scars on my legs right now, my ankles, because I got attacked by mosquitoes when I was in Peru. So, um, uh, that's, but I mean, that I can handle, except, you know, I might get malaria within a year because sometimes it takes a year for it to show up. Oh, so. wow. It's latent, yeah. huh? Yeah. It could so already be inside of you. But those are the keep, major keep ones. Yeah. yeah, I, um, you know, it's funny that when I think about the scars that I have still, they're all scars that I got when I was a little kid. Mm. And so I feel like my skin is definitely not sensitive. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I don't scar easily now. But the scars that I did get when I was a kid, I still have. So mm. I don't know what that means. But I have I have a bunch of random scars on my hands. And for each one of them, I definitely remember either the story of how I got it or the actual experience of getting it. Because mm-hmm. one of them, it's like this weird triangle-shaped scar. And I distinctly remember that I gave this one to myself because I was either at school or somewhere with um, like arts and crafts supplies and they had safety scissors there. And mm-hmm. I was like, safety scissors? I wonder if you can cut yourself with safety scissors. Because it's oh like, there's no blade. So then I was like, hmm, I'll try it. It didn't break the skin, though, but it left this mark, this triangle mark of where the scissors what? were. So it's very odd. Crazy child. <laughs> so, I think about, so I think about that whenever mm-hmm. I see safety scissors of, like, mm-hmm. they're, still, they're still sharp and they're still dangerous. So don't just let a kid go wild with them because they they're will give themselves a weird triangle scar on their safe. Yeah, so I'm sitting there doing crafts with my kids, looking at the pair of safety scissors, thinking, hmm, I wonder if I can cut myself with these. (laughs) (laughs) You never learned. No. And then I have a scar right next to that one. And it's just like, it's fainter now, but it's still like, I can definitely see it. And this one is the result of, I don't remember this direct experience, but as I'm told, it was around my birthday, I think. And my mom was curling my hair. And the curling iron fell on my hand and it burned my hand. Oh. But the reason why the scar is so bad is because um, they had put ointment on it. And then as at my birthday party and I got a sticker for something. And so, of course, I put the sticker on it. And then I think it didn't heal correctly. Gross. <laughs> so I also think of that. And then they put a Band-Aid on it. <laughs> I think because you don't want to, you don't want to like yeah. really, you want to let it, you got to let it breathe sometimes, <laughs> Kalia. <laughs> what is this episode? What is this conversation? I don't, <laughs> I don't fucking know. This is weird. I'm sorry, listeners. This is <laughs> but yeah, so, so that's a pretty pronounced scar too. <laughs> but I always remember that of like, okay, you know, whenever my kids have some sort of scrape or whatever mm-hmm. um don't put a sticker because I, on I look it. at them because i look at them yeah i make sure that there's no stickers mm-hmm. around and i don't give them any stickers um but they definitely whenever they have some sort of injury or you know they just kind of look at it and like poke it like pick at it or whatever and it's like mm-hmm. don't do that <laughs> but, yeah um and yeah then, and definitely a, a picker i don't let things heal which is mm-hmm. gross yeah 
Yeah. If what do you think that says like, about your personality? What was that? <laughs> do you think that says anything about your personality? <laughs> <laughs> that I don't let things heal. <laughs> You just know. pick at it. <laughs> yeah, just pick at it. Just never. That'll no, be part two of this episode. We'll I get never allow closure. <laughs> yeah. I never let wounds fully heal. <laughs> I don't know. I might. Yeah. Dang. Okay. Um, well, that was yeah. a weird one. I think uh, that was a weird one. That concludes the physical scars portion of the mm-hmm. of the episode. Should yeah. we? Should we have a commercial? Listen to a commercial? Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Let's do that. Marred from afar, watching Rose and Barr. Alarmed at the harm of Big Pharma. Scarred by Harmer Superstar. Binks, Jar Jar. If you've dealt with any of these traumatic thoughts, then there's a new product just for you. It's Scarsguard Scarsguard for your emotions. It's Xanax. That's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Rose and Barr. Jar Jar. Binks. No, Binks. Harmar superstar. He is quite scarring, though. That is a good one. It's Xanax. Yeah, Xanax. Good old scar is scarred. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. I I think I'm ready. You ready for this next segment? Yeah. Let's just start light, though. You know, like we did. You know, the the lighthearted. Light-hearted life event scars, you know, and like how we eased into the physical scar section. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> um, All right, you want to start, Galia? Yeah, so I recently had COVID, and there were some kind of funny things that happened during that. So one of my symptoms was it was super, super congested, and I've always avoided nasal spray as an adult. Um, so I had like gone to the drugstore, I got Sudafed, that didn't work. And then finally, Emily convinced me to get Afrin because Afrin is the greatest thing in the Con- world. Convinced her by saying, hey, uh, you should use Afrin. <laughs> that was all the convincing I needed to do. Was, like well, Afrin I guess really I was, helped me when I had the Covidia. <laughs> yeah, when you had the Covidia too. Um, yeah, and I guess I was just in like, yeah, nothing was helping. So I was like, fine, I'll just do this nasal spray thing. Um, but I, the the event that made me so scared of nasal spray is I used to, or my mom used to administer it to me when I was a child not get congested and there is one time where she like like when you're so young little it's just like essentially your mom holding your head and then just like s- like puffing this thing up your nose and you have you no like some control over it thing. what what'd you say <laughs> having, having your child just you being held and then like you just snorting some mysterious <laughs> solution that you don't know essentially is. yeah yeah, but I guess, yeah you know, that childhood is a weird time it is weird yeah you know? it's kind of like when we're talking about those like good uh, food pouches the other day and you're yes like, yeah. yes yeah, imagine being hungry and somebody just pain. opens this thing and shoves it in your mouth <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, mm, delicious. I'm not hungry anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So kind of the yeah. same thing. Oh, I can't breathe. Oh, now I can breathe. Um, but there was one time and it was, I think, the last time I ever had nasal spray before Covidia um, that my mom was just like, here, take the nasal spray. She grabbed a bottle off of her counter and like <laughs> puffed it up my nose. And I was like, that 
I think I reacted where I was like, that didn't feel right or like didn't smell the same because that spray has a very distinct smell. And she looked at the bottle and it was her like scalp treatment solution, <laughs> which also came in like a like a bottle with kind of a drip top thing. <laughs> it's just like I remember just being like kind of like pissed when I, I was like pretty young, like six, seven years old or something. And yeah, so that was the last time because I was just like, now what's going to happen? I have this like mystery <laughs> medicine liquid in my nose. So, um, so yeah, definitely when I had COVID and was revisiting the possibility of nasal spray. And then when I was actually taking the offering, like every single time I would think of that. And the first few times I was kind of nervous <laughs> to use it because of that. So. <laughs> You were like triple checking that the bottle was actually Afrin. Yeah, like my mom didn't like come and switch this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were, while you were sleeping, she took yeah. some expired scalp treatment and put yeah. it on your nightstand. Yeah. And yeah. then I got addicted to Afrin and used it for way too long. <laughs> and you're currently just sitting here with a bottle of Afrin shoved up your nostril. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we'll talk yeah. about that in Scars Part 2. Um, mm. so that was an one. And then one, another one during COVID, when I had COVID. <laughs> it's had a cross between a cronut and COVID. COVID, yes. Um, I, I was going to say that Baker's name. I forget his name though. I can picture him. What is his name? Anyway, the cronut guy. <laughs> the cronut guy? Yeah. I don't know that his name. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's going to come to me like. In the middle of your very serious story. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. You need to be like, shit, how do I bring this back up (laughs) while Emily's recounting some drama? (laughs) I'm crying. (laughs) Um, So another COVID instance. And this one was weird. So I had COVID. I had to cancel a trip because I didn't want to fly while I had COVID. I didn't want to be one of those people. (laughs) So there was a day where I was feeling like super, super sick and was on hold with like the Chase Sapphire hotline. And (laughs) there was this particular hold music that I kept hearing over and over again. And I guess I just like, that, that became very embedded with the physical like sickness and the feeling that I was feeling at the time, but I didn't uh-huh. know that. But this is, I guess, just how my body was processing the sound and this experience. And then earlier this week, it's been like a month and a half since I had COVID, um, I had to call the same number for a different reason. And that music came on and I immediately had this like <laughs> bodily reaction Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, I, like I felt sick in the moment. It was so weird. And then I remembered like, oh, clearly remembered that afternoon where I kept hearing this music and it just like felt so in the dumps and was like really sad that I had to cancel this trip. So totally like privileged people <laughs> issues. But <laughs> it was just like a very surprising reaction that I was not expecting. So yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that that's that's kind of a scar or just uh I don't know what you would call that um it's a it's a psychological yeah. scar I mean that's why yeah. they use uh did you did you hear anything about when they were like who was it some law enforcement agency doesn't matter which one they had gotten there were reports that they were playing like baby shark over and over and over again to basically like 
torture prisoners. Oh, <laughs> of, like to keep them awake and then also to like just torture them. And uh, terrible. Yeah. I mean, as a parent having to listen to Baby Shark, like kind <laughs> like, of voluntarily. I, I mean, I'm kind of being held hostage by my children also, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Traumatizing. Yeah, it's just weird how those things crop up. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say that that sounds like you had some emotional damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you seen this, this TikTok? Roger? No, this isn't Uncle Roger. So I'll, I'll attribute this so that I can use the sound. <laughs> I don't even know if that's how it works. Uh, Stephen Huh is his last hey. name. He is a YouTuber guy. I don't know what you call him. Content creator. And uh, uh-huh. yeah, he got really famous because of his emotional damage video that went viral. <laughs> so Emotional damage. So that's what we'll use when it gets uh, too heavy. And then, yeah, we'll see. Um, um, do you have any other light life events, cars that you would like to share? (laughs) Yeah. So I think maybe this, this first one that comes to mind is something that I kind of partially remember the experience, but it's more reinforced by seeing pictures of it later. Mm -hmm. And, um, when we were little kids, we used to go up to Flagstaff a lot altogether. And there was this trout farm that was over there. Do you remember any of this, Kelly? Oak Creek. Yeah, yeah, I drove past it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I was like, hey, there it is. So we used to go to this trout farm as kids because it's kind of like, oh, it's an easy fishing experience for kids. Um, but then also they will butcher the fish there for you too. Like you catch it and then they, they clean it for you and everything and then you can take it home mm-hmm. and cook it. And uh, and so I remember like when we, were, we had all caught our fish and then we took them to the, the guy to clean them. And this guy was like very grizzled, weathered. <laughs> tough looking guy and it's like behind this glass window and we're watching him butcher these fish and he's like cleaning them out and gutting them and he takes out the heart and he puts the heart on the cutting board and he looks at us and the heart is still beating and he just picks it up and he eats it (laughs) (laughs) what yeah (laughs) scarred (laughs) i mean without eating the heart that would still be a pretty intense experience for a kid yes to see because you catch the fish and they're still alive alive. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's like the it's like the story in kill bill kill bill Mm. 2 when it's like the little kid takes the goldfish out and then stomps it and it's like it was alive and now it is not (laughs) and so maybe that was what that experience was Um, but yeah we have a picture of of that of all of us grandkids all of us cousins looking through the window at the guy butchering the fish so I'll I'll try and track Mm -hmm. that down and see if we can Mm -hmm. put that on the gram (laughs) yeah yeah I don't I I Remember the trout farm for sure. I think since I was the youngest grandkid, I don't remember that actual event, but I remember, yeah, we talked about it mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. Still are. We still do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now it's in this podcast for eternity. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or until all digital yeah, files so. get wiped out by a solar flare. Yeah. Oh, God. Whichever comes Speaking first. Of scars. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of scars. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a lighthearted life event scar. Let's see. Mm. What else? Mm, as an adult, so when I was traveling in Spain, we were walking around and we were at this roundabout. And so there were all these cars driving around. And uh, and all of a sudden, this 
this um, there's like pigeons everywhere <laughs> and stuff. And then all of a sudden, this seagull swooped down out of nowhere and picked up a pigeon, and then like <laughs> flew around the roundabout with the pigeon in its talons, and then dropped the pigeon into the street. And uh, as the pigeon tried to get away, then swooped down and picked it up again, <gasps> and then like flew up into the air and then dropped it again. What? And it was like, this seagull is murdering this pigeon in front of us. This is super what did that weird. Pigeon do to that yeah, seagull? Yeah, I don't know. Um, so yeah, so that was that was uh, some bird on bird crime, man. Yeah. That was that was yeah. pretty crazy Ooh. to see. <laughs> that's that's eerie. That's really weird. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, scarring. Scarring. Emotional yeah. damage. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of a. Uh, animal related scars animal yeah. <laughs> animal death yeah mm. where was getting sat on in the movie theater <laughs> <laughs> yeah so then uh when i was maybe i gotta look up i think it was jurassic really park little. i went yeah. i think i went to go see jurassic park so whenever the new one the new one <laughs> two months <laughs> <new> ago oh <laughs> <laughs> that would be great um, maybe that's why I haven't seen the new one is because I'm so scarred from my experience the yeah, first time around. It's like your Chase Bank hold music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so the first Jurassic Park movie came out in 1993. So that means that I was about six. So that's, that's right. Um, so, <laughs> so I remember going to the theater with my dad and my brother and we got into our seats and, and the movie started and it was all dark. And then this tiny, tiny, very old woman comes down our row by herself. Which is, now that I think about it, I'm like, wow, this woman was going to see Jurassic Park by herself. Um, must Badass. have been quite a fan, I guess. Yeah. She's like, oh, there's this movie about dinosaurs. Myself. I'm going to go check it out. So she starts going down our row and she's walking, uh, you know, sliding past. And I think, okay, she's just going to slide past us to go sit on the other side of us. And she just sits down on on me. <laughs> What did you do? Um, I I sat there and I was like, um, excuse me, but I was six. Okay. So my voice is very, very high and very uh, like, uh, soft too, I think. And it's probably the movie is starting. So it's you know mm -hmm. loud noises and everything. And she was very old, as I recall. And I couldn't even feel you under her. Well, the thing is too, is she was so like tiny and frail, I felt like, because it's not like it was crushing me or anything <laughs> and so i was sitting there i was like um excuse me and then i was like dad <laughs> dad looks over and, just me. And, then, and then he goes excuse me you're sitting on my daughter <laughs> and, then, and the guy behind us he starts laughing his ass off. He sees all of this going down. And then she goes, what? <laughs> You're sitting on my daughter. <laughs> Maybe that should be the name of this episode. <laughs> You're sitting on my daughter. I think, that, I think that's it. Name of that. <laughs> Yeah, and then she's just like, oh, sorry, and like got up and sat down somewhere else. 
<laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh, that was great. And so now, every time you go to a movie theater, you're in fear of being sat on. Yeah, I um, I don't sit down until the theater is fully seated. <laughs> oh my yep, god! Yeah, I actually don't sit down in theaters anymore. I just stand in the corner and watch movies. <laughs> Imagine now with like the reclining seat, somebody just like. <laughs> You're you're laying on my daughter. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay, that was a good one. Do you remember? Do you remember like after it happened, like after the movie, if you like laughed about it with your family? Or I mean, I think so. It definitely was not like a traumatic thing. It was more like a "What's going on?" And then it is kind of like over the years of hearing that story being recounted, and yeah, it's. Yeah, but every time though, I mean, it's 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 always hilarious. It's not mm. it's not like a, oh yeah, I was really scared at one point. <laughs> <laughs> it was really like, what's happening right now? This woman's sitting on me. It's <laughs> like, yeah. oh, my favorite story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So funny. Oh <sighs> man. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't think I want to get too, too deep in this, but I feel I feel comfortable talking about pandemic scars. Sure. So. Sure. Should we do that? Yeah. Okay. I also, I can also talk about another experience that is, that I can talk about, <laughs> basically, mm-hmm. where I feel yeah. comfortable talking about it, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, yeah. Let's talk about the Pandino. Pandino. The great yeah. Covidia Pandino. Covidia <laughs> the COVID pandemic. The I COVID needed to Panini. mute myself when you kept saying COVID because I was just laughing my ass off. <laughs> like, for, why is COVID so much funnier sounding? COVID. <laughs> it's the Corona. It's the Corona. Yeah. The COVID. The COVID Panino. The cro- let's talk about the COVID Panino now. COVID Panino. Well, I mean, Panino? it's still going on. Yes. But I definitely find myself socially and like when I'm around people I guess that's socially <laughs> when <laughs> I find myself like, in society <laughs> when I'm in, yeah, out in the open around mm-hmm. humans mm-hmm. Um, I still have moments where like I'll be walking around and I think especially because in Arizona like no one wears a mask anymore um, like humans just look really weird because I'm not mm. used to seeing Raw faces, in, <laughs> raw faces in the flesh. People just yeah. out in the public, raw dog in their raw, faces, raw <laughs> yeah. dog in their faces. <laughs> Scarred. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah, but something I felt just like a couple days ago. So I started this new job, and I'm in an office, and it's really nice being around people and I'm getting kind of used to it. But we were having a meeting, each kind of going around sharing something we're working on and I mean I've obviously had meetings in the past two years but they've been in you know different scales online mm-hmm. whatever mostly you know through screen where you're just seeing a bubble of a person and where you're and really just looking at yourself the whole time anyways so essentially yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thinking about what plastic surgery you want to get. yeah 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 spiraling mm-hmm. in that way um so it was like 15 people in a conference room so a a good sized group and I was last because I'm the newest and I was last on the list but 
um, I started talking and I felt fine. And then I just registered like seven people making direct eye contact with me at once. (laughs) And I just like started to kind of panic inside. And then I felt this feeling of like, I was just talking, but I had like no control over it because I was just like processing this feeling of being looked at. And it was super, super odd. Like I was not expecting that at all. And then it ended. And of course, like my tendency is like, I kind of think about like, oh, like what did I do? What was like, uh-huh. what, was everyone, what was everybody like thinking? And that's like, uh-huh. did they notice that I was freaking out? <laughs> so, um, so I think the scar there is just like, yeah, being around people. And obviously I've made eye contact with other humans in the past few years, but that many at once was such mm-hmm. an odd experience. Um, and I just felt like, my body and my mind was just not ready for that. Yeah. 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 I feel like Super it's bizarre. everybody is definitely more socially awkward than before. Um, mm. I find myself, yeah. yeah, I find myself feeling the same way too. When I go, I've been going into the office a couple of times recently and uh, like meeting new people because I started in a new role and everything. And like, I know that mm. I need to be actively networking essentially because I don't know a lot of these people whereas before I had worked with the same people for a long time and so I didn't really mm-hmm. feel the need to to network um mm-hmm. and so do like setting it as a goal for myself of like okay I need to actually set up time with these people or like I you know I should go down to the office and meet people but then actually getting down there and it's kind of like you know I'm in California and so masks still are they're not required, I don't think, anymore, but people still wear them. There's no judgment for people who do. And mm-hmm. uh, and so then I I still feel more comfortable wearing a mask in the office um, just because every time that I've gone in there, <laughs> immediately after, it's like exposure notification. It's like, all right, well, mm-hmm. if that's going to happen, then I'm basically, at least I should just do everything to make myself feel like, hey, I tried, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and so, you know, I wear a mask when I'm, in, when I'm walking around and when I'm not outside. And I still have the tendency to that, you know, I try to smile at people when I, when I pass them Mm -hmm. or if I recognize people and stuff like that, but I don't know if that is coming across (laughs) with a mask on. Yeah. So I'm working on my smizing, you know, but, um, (laughs) get a clear mask, just like wrap your face in saran wrap. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a great, I'll just put a Ziploc bag over my head. Um, one of those dry cleaning bags, you know, I'll just, I'll just wear one of those into the office. Um, but I, I definitely, (laughs) yeah, full body. Um, and nothing underneath. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> get escorted out real fast. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely feel myself like when I see people who I do recognize, I think in the past where I maybe would have been more inclined to be like, oh, hey, and like walk over and talk to them. I'm I'm more just kind of like walking. You know, I just I don't I don't have the energy, I think, that's needed to be on socially like that yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so and I think maybe I'm just I'm a little bit more uh compassionate to myself of like I don't feel like I should if I don't want to be super social (laughs) or talkative Mm -hmm. then like I'm not gonna force myself to yeah whereas I think in the office environment when you're just there all the time you are you're just on and especially because it's open floor space so it's not like I have an Mm -hmm. office so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. somebody could just come up so you kind of have to be, but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it is a weird dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also because of the pandemic, 
like just out in public. So I, I feel very safe at work. I feel the safest probably in my house and at work. Mm-hmm. But when I go out in public, less concerned about the actual COVID at this point and more concerned mm-hmm. about like getting hate crimed or assaulted. Mm-hmm. And so I feel very paranoid when I go out of like, I'm constantly like looking around and making sure. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that is, you know, if you get too paranoid or you get, it could, it could be debilitating or it could be like, okay, mm-hmm. agoraphobic. But I think part of it is good that like I have increased situational awareness, you know, mm-hmm. of like I will mm-hmm. make it a point to sit somewhere where I can see what's going on or like mm-hmm. I will yeah, or walk just in observe it. around. Right, you, yeah. right, right. Or it's like if I feel like somebody is like too close to me or like that they've been in the same path as me, like I'm aware of that and that like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm making adjustments for it and everything like that. But I just mm-hmm. feel like it's like the streets are wild these days, man. You got to be mm-hmm. vigilant. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It is a terrible effect of this. Yeah, I do remember when kind of all the Asian hate crimes were cropping up. Um, I There was an especially intense day and I went to the grocery store and it was like deep in the pandemic. So I was wearing a mask and I remember like walking out of my car and being a little bit nervous. And then I had like put on my sunglasses and I was like, this is good that I can cover up most of my face. Yeah. So if somebody is yeah. looking for an Asian person or not that that has happened over here, but just, you know, with all the news that was like in the forefront of my mind, I was like, I have kind of this mask that I can wear, which is yeah. a terrible, terrible thing to think. But yeah, it's a lot of Asians experience that during this yeah. pandemic of just like, I don't, it's a double edged sword, right? Of like, you want to wear, especially early on where it's like, I want to wear a mask because I know that scientifically it's the right thing. Like it prevents, you know, Mm -hmm. spread and also protects myself and protects others. But also it's like when I think people started taking off masks or when mass regulation started getting looser and it was like, well, I Mm -hmm. am not ready for that because also Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be so evident that I'm Asian. So exposed. But then it makes you feel like shit because then it's like, makes you feel ashamed about being Asian again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, I didn't do anything differently. (laughs) So yeah, that's shitty. Yeah. Uh, the Crovid Pendino. Yeah, still. We're all very scarred still, by it. It's still yeah. scarring us. It's co- continuous PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. CPTSD. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. CPTSD. Um, Cronet guy, Dominique Ansel, mm. <laughs> came to me. There you go. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs> oh man. It's good to recognize the the lighthearted scars, the funny scars, and the more serious ones because it um I think it gives you a chance to see yourself in a different way mm-hmm. and get to know yourself better. So even though these are things maybe things that you want to kind of just like push away because it's uncomfortable or not the situation you want to be in or not a feeling you want to come up so often. Um, I think it's, it's good that we can chat about it. Yeah. Yeah. That was my final question basically was like, are scars bad? Do you think Mm. that scars are bad things inherently? Um, about like trauma too much because I don't feel like I have the right vocabulary mm-hmm. or like experience to talk about that. Um, but I think at least in my life that I know so far, I, I haven't 
been through something scarring that has been um, so impactful that it affects the way that I am or how Mm -hmm. I deal with people or Mm -hmm. my personality. Mm -hmm. So I think in this is just coming from my experience. Um, Yeah, I feel like scars, my scars are not a bad thing. Yeah, because they have not so drastically or negatively impacted your ability to become a fully developed person. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, that, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, especially early childhood, you know, having Mm -hmm. childhoods free of of serious trauma has been, is is huge. Um, I think that that's the goal, right, of most parenting. It's like to try and protect your kids as long as you can. It just gets Mm -hmm. fucking harder to do these days with whatever's going on, so... Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, we grew up in simpler times, and yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, what well, your original question is? Sorry, do you think scars are a good I think thing? Scars are. Do you think that scars are inherently bad? I think physical mm-hmm. physical scars, as as well as you know, traumatic things. I think depending on the, the, the trauma, you know, obviously yeah. it's. I think the the answer to the, to my question is it depends totally. Yeah, you know, totally I think that depends. societally speaking scars physical scars are absolutely demonized you know mm-hmm. and and uh and so i th- but i i think that when we think about physical scars specifically i see them as a physical artifact of mm. a memory essentially right mm-hmm. whether that memory is good or bad it's, it's I, obviously there was some sort of injury that happened right to cause that physical scar but mm-hmm. the memory of that doesn't necessarily need to be bad you know, or mm-hmm. to be able to move past it, I suppose. Because um, mm-hmm. it's like I think about some of the physical scars that I have, and it's kind of like, you know, because you can also have funny scars. <laughs> like we talked mm-hmm. about the funny scars at the beginning where, like I have one on my knee also where I remember that the reason why I have it is because when I was a kid, I was playing with a Dremel with like a steel brush on the end. <laughs> and I was I wonder what this will do to my I skin. I, it was <laughs> Maybe I had some more issues as a kid than I thought. <laughs> Um, no, I was, I was, I was using it to, um, either polish something or something, I don't know. And, uh, I was holding it in a position that was not safe because I was a child and I slipped and it like gouged into my leg and, uh, and, and I'm pretty sure I don't think I told anybody (laughs) because I didn't (laughs) want to get in trouble for like hurting myself and uh it's so that but it was like pretty bad though but I like cleaned it and up and everything and um and when I when I, when I had that I remember thinking about this story that my mom has always told me about mm. when she was a kid growing up in Malaysia and they were playing in the backyard and uh it's very jungly there you know it's like the, mm-hmm. and she was walking along like a fence or something and slipped and like like gashed her leg pretty bad and it was also like they were in a like in a swampy area so it was like not mm-hmm. clean either so she knew that she it, had to go also like the sewer right, right? <laughs> so, so she so like went inside and like cleaned it up as best as possible put a bunch of ointment on it and then like put on pajama pants because she didn't want her mom to see that she had scraped her leg up and she's like, I thought I was being so smart about it. And then when my mom mm-hmm. got home, she was immediately like, 
what'd you do to your leg? <laughs> because <laughs> it's Malaysia and it's freaking hot outside and she's wearing pajama pants in the middle of the day. <laughs> so yeah, so I kind of think about that. So I don't feel like, you know, there are, you can have funny scars. And mm-hmm. I do think that sometimes they can bring up funny memories also. So mm-hmm. yeah, but, so not all inherently bad, but yes, definitely yeah. depends on the context. Yeah. And just because you have a scar, a facial scar, does not mean that you are doomed to be evil and mm-hmm. have murderous tendencies towards your brother. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you were named garbage by your parents. <laughs> <laughs> and then the scar on your face is a result of your brother doing something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, then that's a little more to unpack than than just the scar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, poor yeah. scar. Poor scar. Well, we've come full circle. We have come full circle. <laughs> what a lovely, <laughs> wild <laughs> episode. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the topic uh, came to fruition more successfully than I thought it would. Oh, good. Okay. Last night. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're good. Okay. <laughs> We still got a, we still got a lot of of uh, scarring stories that we can talk about in a later episode if we muster yes. up the courage and uh, mm-hmm. maybe have some therapy to help process those things. Before <laughs> yeah. So, all right. All but in the right. meantime, you can take scars guard, scars guard for your emotions. It's Xanax. It's Xanax. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Afrin and Xanax. Xanax. Don't get addicted. Don't get addicted. But I don't blame you if you do. <laughs> Wow, that's a great, that's the slogan right there. (laughs) All right, that wraps it for this week's episode. Bye. Bye, everyone. Oh, yeah, and uh, like and subscribe. And if you like what you're listening to, please do share, because we're not really promoting this still, but please share it with people. So promote it for us, okay? Yeah, (laughs) thanks. Thanks for listening to Double Cuzzies. Family by Genetics, Friends by Choice. Bye!